G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. All eyes are on the US election outcome right now and of course there are pro-life issues that are in play. Let's get some insights. Dan Flynn is the Chief Political Officer at the Australian Christian Lobby and he's got one eye on what's going on in the US, another eye on what's going on here in Australia. Dan Flynn, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks very much, Neil. Great to be here. Dan, let's talk uh, things uh, in the US election. Uh, One of the big things that we've been uh, talking about is, you know, what happens uh, with a Biden victory uh, as compared to what's happened over the past four years under a Trump administration. It looks like there's going to be change to a Biden administration. But there's a very big difference between the way each side has approached issues of the value of human life, uh, this sanctity of life that we often talk about. What are your thoughts for some of the developments that have been going on? Counting's continuing. Uh, Trump's still refusing to uh, give way to a new administration. And, of course, there are all sorts of issues around uh, what happens officially there. But how have you been seeing the latest developments? I've been seeing the latest developments very much through the the eyes of the unborn, if I can put it that way, Neil. You know, one of the big things that was on the ticket here between Trump and Biden was, um, you know, Trump's election promise that he would uh, completely defund, uh, fully defund the abortion industry, uh, a very strong policy position to take. Uh, and uh, Biden and Harris uh, saying, well, they would want Planned Parenthood and others completely funded. They clearly supported uh, abortion to birth. This is a huge uh, issue uh, on the on the ticket uh, in this election. And uh, we... We don't know uh, what the outcome is yet. We do know that Planned Parenthood spent something like $45 million backing Biden's campaign. I think that was um, uh, three times what they spent in 2016. My focus is a little narrower than, narrow than the presidential outcome, which is you know, still subject to court cases and so on. I've been looking closely at what's going on in the Senate, Neil. Uh, the Senate... Uh, situation currently stands with the Republicans uh, having majority in the Senate, uh, 50 to 48. Now, that would mean uh, that many of Biden's um, pro-life, sorry, Biden's pro-abortion legislation, uh, uh, you know, uh, his progressive push uh, would not get through. It wouldn't get through the Senate. And uh, that's very, very critical. there's an, another election. You would think we're all fatigued with elections, Neil. I think you may be. But there's another one coming up uh, on this very point, and that's a runoff in Georgia, uh, which will decide who actually holds the, the Senate. And so on the 5th of January, there's going to be another election. And all the money in the US and all the pollsters and all the campaigners are heading down to Georgia. Uh, it's already started. There were two um, uh, Democrats... Uh, candidates uh, who are trying to defeat uh, two uh, sitting Republican senators. Now, um, 
if the two Democrats succeed, uh, then the Democrats will have control of the Senate. Uh, if um, one of those two Republicans under challenge in Georgia holds uh, uh, his or her seat, uh, then the Republicans will keep their majority. Uh, so looking at this through the eyes of the unborn, I'm very keen to see the Republicans retain control of the Senate. Uh, and this will also uh, ensure that the uh, conservative majority on the Supreme Court will remain intact. And that's very, very important. Uh, there have been three recent pro-life judges appointed to the Supreme Court. Um, uh, I, for one, uh, don't want to see that uh, diluted. And I think um, you know, most of your listeners uh, would be on board with that. So all to play for on the 5th of January. 5th of January, it'll be all eyes on that. And uh, and very interestingly, when you talk about seeing things through a pro-life perspective here, because, you know, you can look at all of the dimensions of the US election and what's been leading up to the uh, presidential election and now the outcome still not yet decided. But, you know, you could look th- at that through uh, through COVID eyes. You could look at that through Black Lives Matter eyes. You could look at that through uh, foreign affairs uh, issues internationally. And, and you can look at that with a pro-life perspective, the pro-life position in all that, and uh, very much more prominent than perhaps it's been in elections for a long, long time. And just before we move on, because I want to talk about issues that are going on here in Australia, but uh, but under a Biden presidency, it's going to look very different uh, what sort of policies are in play in the US around the unborn. And, uh, and, and it's a stark difference, isn't it, Dan? Oh, it was absolutely stark. Um, the, uh, clearly, the funding of abortion will be uh, on in full throttle. Trump has uh, limited the funding and was promising... Uh, to completely stop federal funding of abortion. So that's probably the main uh, factor there. Uh, Also something known as a Mexico City policy, and that is that um, uh, foreign aid money from the US uh, being used to uh, fund abortions overseas. Biden has clearly said that he will allow that funding, and uh, but Trump, uh, on taking over office from Obama, uh, said uh, that funding will no longer apply. So uh, the Mexico City policy, uh, as it is called, uh, is in play. Uh, so US funding of overseas abortions is also a worry. Uh, everything to play for here for the unborn. Okay, well, let's talk about how this might have effect here in Australia, because I know that a lot of pro-life organisations had been counting on a second term for Donald Trump because of his very strong pro-life agenda and seeing that have ripple effect all over the world. But right now, uh, these things look like they're up in the air. So let's get a little bit of a focus on what's happening in Australia. Uh, Let's zero in on South Australia, where uh, all the headlines at the present time are now about to change to around this new cluster of COVID cases. But South Australia is something of a ground zero for the Australian Christian lobby at the moment around the abortion debate because they've got some uh, some bills that have uh, ones even passed on safe access zones. But what's the latest on what's going on in South Australia? There's a critical bill being debated, Neil, uh, relating to abortion to birth. And uh, there's a bill there that's been put forward by the Liberal Party in government uh, that uh, is seeking to to liberalise abortion there uh, for really any reason right up to birth. Uh, Our very brave 
South Australian director Christopher Bro here uh, is regularly in the media on this issue, speaking against the bill. Last week he was joined by Senator Alex Antic, a senator from South Australia who spoke in the federal parliament uh, against this bill. And he has also written to his Liberal colleagues in South Australia saying that this is a cruel bill uh, that will actually cause you know, pain and death uh, to viable uh, babies post-22 weeks. So it's clearly the, um, the, the post-22 weeks babies that will lose the substantial protection they currently hold in South Australia. Uh, that, the debate on that bill uh, uh, has commenced. And uh, as you say, uh, this is really ground zero for the protection of the unborn, in particular, uh, the unborn post-22 weeks. Well, this is really intensifying, isn't it? And the better our medical technology gets, the more it proves what Christians have been saying all along. And so when we talk about viable human beings, uh, interesting way to talk about this, and you've got a legal mind that you look through these sorts of things, but a viable human being and, you know, post-22 weeks, those sorts of things, and then you've got governments proposing abortion up to birth. Uh, this is, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense, Dan, but uh, this idea of a viable human being, it's something that we have to focus on because it does seem to be that there's one side of the argument here that just does not want to have any uh, viability for a child who's still in his or her mother's womb. Well, that's absolutely correct, Neil. And, you know, for the younger stages of pregnancy, uh, it is actually very hard to overcome the argument of choice uh, that, that people push back with and say, well, it's, you know, my body, my choice. Uh, now, you know, uh, life, life begins at conception, uh, but it is a lot harder for uh, uh, once you get a baby that can live outside of the womb uh, it's a lot harder for pro-choice people to defend their position when the baby, you know, can be born, can be given proper care, both mother and baby. And so it's that exact space of the awkwardness that is created by the fact that this baby can be delivered in the next suite. They'll be delivering a, a premature baby of that age. Um, uh, so the issue of visibility, of viability uh, of um, uh, a fully formed uh, baby. Uh, that's really what the debate is about. It's an excellent focus on the debate uh, because uh, it's actually bringing many pro-choice MPs our way, um, both from the Liberal and the Labor Party, uh, and hopefully this bill will be defeated. We are within a very close range uh, of possibly defeating that uh, late-term element of the bill. Let's just a little bit of a focus here on the safe access zones because a bill banning prayer outside clinics has passed in South Australia and there's uh, another bill that's coming before Western Australia. Just a little focus on this for a few moments because this could include any of us who have some level of compassion uh, on those uh, women and the babies that are at risk going into abortion clinics. Uh, what are your thoughts around uh, what's happening in South Australia and what may well happen in uh, WA, these sorts of uh, bubble zones, these safe access zones, Bills? I think people who are uh, at a curbside, they may be praying, they may be you know, ready to have a conversation with somebody who seeks it. Uh, they are now, you know, potentially criminalised by this. Uh, one of the things that's pointed out in the Western Australia 
legislation is if a young woman uh, initiates a conversation about abortion with somebody, you know, at the curbside and the person standing there, a pro-life person, responds, uh, then they uh, potentially face 12 months imprisonment. Uh, so uh, it actually is not an impact on the people standing there, you know, who may be in their own way protesting or praying. It's an impact on those who are approaching it with a view to what support can I get? Should I have this abortion? Those thoughts going through their minds, uh, they are effectively unable to speak uh, to people who look helpful, who look loving uh, and uh, generally Christian. They're just unable to speak to those people and get the help they need. And Neil, we all know of examples of people who've reached out to uh, loving Christians uh, at these clinics and received great help, some financial support. And there are many, many children who are now at uni uh, and, you know, they're living successful lives because uh, they were effectively turnarounds uh, at an abortion clinic. Uh, the, the idea of this legislation is to silence all dissent and to deny a woman uh, the opportunity to seek an alternative opinion. As you say, making compassion a crime. Uh, let's turn a little bit of attention to Tasmania because uh, other end of life, typically, uh, where the euthanasia bill has passed the upper house as expected. Uh, what are your thoughts for the developments in Tasmania? Uh, the euthanasia is really the, the tale of uh, abortion. Uh, you know, probably in the 1970s when abortion was being contended uh, for, uh, it was thought, well, this may lead to euthanasia. And that's exactly uh, what it does do. Um, in Tasmania, Neil, uh, there has been a bill passed in one chamber, the upper house, that has legalised euthanasia. Uh, and uh, uh, somebody in Tasmania, uh, if the bill passes the lower house, uh, would be able to be euthanized if they were, you know, had a condition and they were concerned about what future, you know, suffering they may face. So it's a very low threshold, uh, low level test uh, for somebody who would qualify for assisted suicide or qualify to be euthanized. Uh, the the bill hasn't passed finally yet. It's got to go through the lower house, and that will not happen until February. Uh, so certainly our Tasmanian people are out on the streets with, with flyers uh, and um, our advocates are doing great work down there uh, speaking to the members of parliament. Um, but this uh, is an ongoing battle uh, for life at, at both ends of the spectrum and uh, as we're seeing today, both in the US and here in Australia. So euthanasia in Tasmania and around about the same time, that whole issue around uh, bills passing through parliaments is going to be also in the state of Queensland because uh, they're expected to rush through assisted suicide legislation. What are your thoughts for what's developed in Queensland? Well, it's remarkably strange. The uh, Queensland Premier announced about a week before the election uh, that uh, uh, she would bring in euthanasia legislation. Uh, pre previously, uh, she had basically said that was not on her agenda. There was going to be some report uh, that would come out in March. And so she'd always downplayed it. Um, stunningly, after being re-elected, the Queensland Premier says, well, this is actually, you know, uh, one of my top two priorities and I'll get it done immediately. Um, and I think uh, that should give us all um, 
uh, an alertness to uh, what those who have a progressive social ideology are really on about. Uh, they'll talk about roads, rivers, dams uh, during an election, but when the election's over, uh, the uh, the zeal uh, to bring about some of these, um, you know, very anti-life policies um, comes right to the fore. So that's a concerning development. Uh, certainly, uh, Wendy Francis, our state director, is fully across it, and uh, we'll be working uh, with, uh, you know, both the new ALP um, members of parliament uh, and the LNP opposition um, uh, to see where the numbers might fall on this. And of course, when a government goes to an election and these things are a part of their platform, then they feel as though they have a mandate beyond an election when they win uh, to push these things through without a worry. And, uh, you know, what uh, What can Queenslanders say there? Queenslanders voted for it, didn't they? That's the way it works. Well, uh, ordinarily, Neil, but I think that the Premier picked that she was winning this election uh, based on the borders and, and COVID and a strong sense that the momentum was running her way. So, uh, and she had not campaigned on euthanasia at all. But then, uh, given that the momentum was running her way, she had some margin to play with. She threw in, oh, yes, and we'll be doing euthanasia as well, uh, which, while not universally popular, uh, her calculation was that that would not slow her momentum. Uh, and so, in a sense, it was uh, snuck through uh, I wouldn't say it was part, wasn't part of her policy platform um, uh, or something that had been campaigned on in the months ahead, thrown in a week before because the momentum was going her way. Um, very problematic and I think uh, very questionable in terms of whether there's a mandate uh, to bring in this uh, assisted suicide legislation. Just quickly, Dan, time has run out, but the sort of action you might hope that listeners might be able to take, and we've talked about issues across the states today, and uh, what what are you hoping that listeners might be able to do uh, with action on any of these issues, whether it's abortion or euthanasia, and uh, we mentioned a lot of the states and where they're at on these things. Uh, what do you hope people can do? I think the best thing is to actually go to the Australian Christian Lobby website and volunteer. Uh, there will be a lot of activity in relation to the South Australian abortion legislation in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, we'll have volunteers phoning uh, members of parliament, uh, phoning South Australian uh, voters to ask them to call their members. Uh, so the best thing they can do uh, is to volunteer, and we are building a substantial volunteer army uh, to, to make politics more democratic, to bring it down to... Uh, the individual people and their right to, to pick up a phone and have a say. Uh, that's what I'd encourage, Neil. Well, let that be the encouragement today. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines, you'd like to do something, you're wondering what you can do, you can do that volunteerism through the Australian Christian Lobby and simply connect there through the ACL website. It's acl.org.au, acl.org.au. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the number of volunteers who are getting on board and becoming something of a standing army and uh, being a voice 
knocking on doors, making phone calls, writing letters, doing amazing things that are going to lift the profile of a Christian voice as things are changing so dramatically. Dan Flynn, always appreciate your great insights. Dan's the Chief Political Officer at the Australian Christian Lobby. Uh, That website address, acl.org.au. Dan, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. That's my pleasure. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.